Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Brand Your Practice podcast, where you get to learn about marketing, growing, and managing your private practice. Here's the problem that a lot of group practice owners have. How do, the, how do practice owners expedite learning and connection at scale? How can they lead a group of clinicians and clinical directors and practice managers where they can have a healthy culture of learning and connecting? I'm Brent Stutzman, and today we're going to be talking about how group practice owners can expedite learning and connection at scale. And to help me do that is Michael Diedrich Chastain. Did I get that right, Michael? You got it right. It's great to be okay. here with you, Brent. <laughs> yeah, thanks. All right. So Michael is an expert on peak performance in the workplace and is passionate about helping leaders and teams create company cultures of engagement, sustainability, and purpose. He's the founder and CEO of ARC Integrated, a leadership development and organizational consulting firm based in Asheville, North Carolina. Michael is widely regarded by the various CEOs and leaders he has worked with as the go-to resource for helping to transform the company cultures in which he works. His writings have been featured in Time, Money, Entrepreneur, and The Washington Post, and his first book, Changes, releases, released in 2019 and became an instant bestseller in multiple categories. Michael's mission is to help create and maintain purpose-driven organizations that elevate the consciousness of all involved. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you so much, Brent. It's great to see you. Great to be here with you. Yeah. Well, you know, we first met at the Meet Me in Kentucky conference where there's a bunch of group practice owners. They got together to work on their businesses, to work on their practices. And you were the opening keynote speaker. And out of all the other speakers and presentations, your approach to teaching was far more interactive and impactful than all the other speakers. And it's because you were, you in, in some way, you were able to guide 150 of us in that room through a process of learning your content at the same time connecting with one another. So mm -hmm. that's why I'm excited to have you on here because most practice owners struggle how to facilitate learning and connecting as they're scaling their group practices. So I love for just to have us have a conversation around that. So yeah. jump in, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I really appreciate it. And thank you for the for the comments. It's it's something I'm really passionate about. And and so I'm I'm excited to talk with you about it. And and at a high level, it's just simply the idea that there's always more wisdom in any group than there is in any single person, regardless of content, regardless of audience, regardless of context. And so in this case, context could be a conference. Context could be a group practice. Context could be a community. You know, and the idea is that if we can, if we can become facilitators of conversation and connection, uh, not only does, does learning improve, but outcomes improve. Mm. And so I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that as an introduction, and I'm happy to dive into any aspect that you'd like, Brent. Yeah. So what you had us do, uh, you brought these really uh these really interesting connection cards to kind of get us going because we were meeting strangers for the first time. Right. And um, is that uh, you created these yourselves because you obviously saw a need mm. uh, need for these in kind of a professional world, because some, I'll just say a little context. Why I loved about these cards is that <laughs> my um, my wife found these table topics cards and what she would like to do is bring them to family gatherings <laughs> mm. <laughs> and ask yeah. these really kind of pointed questions 
And then all this stuff would come up, <laughs> you know, with the family. <laughs> right. Sometimes good, sometimes not so good <laughs> conversations. Yeah, yeah. But at some level, we were connecting, right? We were having to talk about things that were sometimes personal, but also uh, really helpful for other other people to hear to kind of give context. So that's I remember that's how you kicked it off. You had these conversation cards that we were trading and 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 talking and answering the questions to one another. Uh, mm -hmm. So maybe you could start there as far as sure. creating connection. Yeah, yeah. So for those those folks that are seeing it on video, this is what they look like. These are the changes cards. It's a yeah. yellow box, and they essentially they're they're a, a card deck of forty nine questions. And I'll just give you a couple examples here. They come across different categories. So, you know, this one this one is nourishment. This is a category, and the question on the back is, what is your self care routine? And here's another category. This is action. And um, this one is simply what's a new routine you'd like to have. And so there's seven categories, seven questions per category. And um, there, there's a long backstory to this card deck, which is it comes from a book that I wrote, uh, the content, these seven categories or seven pillars of our lived experience. Um, the book that comes from this uh, is all about those seven pillars and how they influence our ability to create change and be adaptable to challenging circumstance. But um, yeah, the, the card deck we use in all sorts of contexts and the context that you saw it in Brent was at a conference and, you know, the, the importance of that in, in, in my experience, and I'm sure listeners can appreciate this. Often when we go to conferences, there's, we go for a lot of the same reasons, right? We go to learn and we, we go to connect and we go to create community. Um, and the connection is often not facilitated. And the risk of that, the risk of not facilitating it is that, you know, we're, we're left to our own devices. And so you end up, you know, not, not to put uh, pressure on any of us. Right. But we, we kind of lean into the questions we're used to, right. We lean into things like, you know, how are you, where are you from? How's the weather? What, what do you do? And those are fine, but they don't really create connectivity. Right. And so what we, what we ideally want from a conference is we want to feel a deep connection to another human so that that leads to something else, right? And maybe it leads to a business opportunity. Maybe it leads to a collaboration. Maybe it leads to a friendship. Maybe it leads to, you know, sharing ideas and resources with one, one another. But all of that, you know, comes from first having a significant connection with one another. And so that was the, that was the kind of purpose in this context was let's use these cards in a conference setting to have a deeper connection so that we can get all those, you know, all those benefits that we come to the conference from or for rather. Um, that's just one application. We use these cards in team settings to help teams connect more deeply with each other, to help resolve con conflict. Um, there's ways in which we can use the questions to actually solve problems, which is kind of interesting. And mm. um, yeah, wide variety of applications, but uh, I'll, I'll pause there and see if that brings up any questions. Yeah. So I'm thinking of the group practice owner mm -hmm. uh, who is sitting down at the table with maybe three, four or even 10 or 15 clinicians, whatever. Or it could be a practice uh, or it could be a clinical director and they have a team of supervisees mm. that this is just like a quick way to kind of do a, a check in. And it also yeah. creates a little bit of vulnerability, too. Right. So for the yeah. supervisor and the supervisee and uh, trying to create like a safe place and trust and that type of thing. So. I imagine um, that's like a great way to like, like just kick things off, right? As like, as yeah. like a good meeting. Yeah, um, start. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, starter. And and we have and and to back up a little bit, our firm Arc Integrated. You know, we serve private practices. Yes, and we work with a lot of different kinds of companies, small and large, from around the world. And we've got clients. Clients meaning companies 
where they do some version of what you just described, Brent, at every meeting. And the purpose of that is to drive the, the normaling of, um, of, of this connection, right? That we're trying to normalize the idea that, hey, the first thing we got to do is connect with one another. And the more frequently we can do that, the more it becomes, you know, it becomes normalized and the more benefit we get out of it, the deeper we know one another. And just to, just to create a little uh, kind of science behind the rationale for that, you know, at face value, you know, you might think, well, that sounds nice. And that, that sounds like a fun thing to do. Um, when I say science behind it, what I mean is that, you know, the effectiveness of teams and of, of company cultures has really been deeply studied. And there's, there's very clear science behind what are the predictors of the most effective teams in the world. And when you look at that research that dates back to the nineties, so you're talking, you know, decades of research, um, which has been challenged along the, along the way, along the last few years. Mm -hmm. um, it's consistently the number one predictor of effective groups is what's called psychological safety, which is everything we're talking about. It's, you know, do I feel connected to my fellow teammate? Can I show up and have my ideas, you know, seen, heard and felt? Can I be myself in, in the environment? These are all ingredients of psychological safety. And so you could make the argument that, you know, using a question deck like the changes cards, is a way to tap in to increasing psychological safety, thus increasing the effectiveness of that particular culture or team. Yeah, because you're creating a culture. I mean, this is this is huge because I think practice owners struggle with like, how do we create a culture mm -hmm. and the culture of creativity and the culture of learning? Like what the, the, the topic is that this is yeah. just this is what they do. And I also think this is powerful for when you're recruiting people to join your team as well uh, yeah. is that there might be some interesting um kind of interviewing yeah where you can even use these questions like so it's in the final part of the interview right so you maybe you yes. bring before a few people on your team you just you start off by opening these questions i'll share this one thing uh i was part of one of my wife's uh interviewees uh i joined the clinical director and oh. they're they're all play therapists and okay. so like they're like, okay, we're going to play a game. She blew up a balloon. <laughs> She's like, I want you to share like one thing about yourself uh, as maybe it's self-care or like things you like to do for fun. Right. And so we would just hit the balloon around and we just had to like share. And I was yeah. like, oh my goodness. It's like, I love that you're connecting through play, but those are, play they live that world. And I love that world. And it was yeah, I love that kind of experience that, uh, that connection. Totally. Um, yeah, I love that example. This total stranger. And we got to know that person pretty fast, like yeah. pretty quick, just with a simple game. Mm -hmm. um, but mm -hmm. the other thing you did though, so after you had us connecting, the thing that you would do is you would share your different aspects of your presentation and then you would pause and say, okay, so we're just going to take a few minutes and you're going to just do some self-reflection, right? So the question was like, what did you learn or, or something like that? And mm -hmm. we had to take some time to write it down. And then you kind of brought us through these different stages of sharing knowledge with one another. It was like, we wrote it down and then it was like, share it with the person next to you or some like that type of process. And then mm -hmm. you would, uh, what, from our conversation we had before is like, you would mind the knowledge as the group. We, you would take all that knowledge and start putting it together. So I was so intrigued by that. Um, <laughs> and it was so formulaic and wonderfully formulaic. And it just got that whole, again, I, I want people to realize, like, imagine Michael up there working this conference room of 150 people and just, <laughs> having mastery over it, but we were all connecting and having really good conversations. And we were taking 
really viable things that we wanted to implement in our own businesses. So I would love for you to kind of walk us through um, that whole process and share that. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for asking. And thanks for that summary, Brent. Well, well done. You're paying attention. <laughs> That's great. I learned. <laughs> you did. You did. Yeah. Yeah. So all of that you could just describe as experiential learning, which which myself and our team were were very, very strong advocates for. And part of that is the the science of adult learning tells us that, you know, when we have those ingredients at play, that we learn further faster. And in the ingredients of reflection sharing with a small group, and then sometimes maybe having some kind of output that, and I'll, I'll elaborate on that. And then the third ingredient, bringing that output back to the large group to share so that the entire large group benefits. Examples of outputs that you might task a small group with would be, hey, you know, everybody share your idea and then come up with your top three, you know, ideas amongst your small group. Or you might, you might say, you know, what are the influencing ingredients that you all, you know, came up with? And so you can task small groups with bringing something back so that the large group can, uh, can learn as well. And what I find is that that, you know, you, like you said, you can do that with 150 people. I've done that with more, you know, I've done it with two, three, 400 people or, or even larger. I was with a group of, um, was it like six to 700 a number of months ago? And we did a bit of that, a bit of a version of that. And obviously the size of the group necessitates a little bit of a different intervention, but you, mm -hmm. but it can absolutely be done. And it's, it's, again, it, it, it kind of assumes this, this first predisposition, which is there's more wisdom in the group than there is in any single one person. How that might apply to group practice owners. So taking that out of the context of the conference and thinking, well, how, how can I as a practice owner do that? Well, you can do that in your team meetings. You can do that to solve problems within the group itself. And so, you know, you imagine like, like a typical, well, let me ask you, Brent, what, let's, let's play with this. What would, what would you say is a typical challenge that group practice owners are faced with? Usually things around uh, like cleaning offices like cleaning offices like yeah. oh it's like yeah. the real mundane things like uh yeah. things around policy like not just offices let's say keeping the kitchen clean but like what do we do yeah. with our dishes um, uh yeah i love it this is a great this is a great example this is a great example so yeah keeping things tidy mm -hmm. and so so here's an activity that you could do using this same framework of experiential learning right in in the next group practice meeting say you want to figure out how to make things tidy the first step is you ask the group, everybody gets out a pen and paper and you say, hey, if you were to imagine that this practice is a five-star hotel, what are the ingredients of that five-star customer experience? Paint the picture. What are all of those things? What's all, what, is, what is inclusive of a five-star customer experience? And so you, you're creating a little bit of an imagination and you're, you're creating a kind of an opportunity for them to just think and, and kind of go wild. So they do that on their own. They reflect. Then you put them into groups of three and you say, okay, share your ideas and then come up with your top five suggestions for creating a five-star experience. And then that gets, you bring them back to the large group. In this case, the large group, maybe it's 15. Each, each small group shares, hey, here's our top five ideas to create a five-star experience here. And what will inevitably come out of that are ways in which they can not just keep the place tidy, but make it like exponentially better. 
which is I'm, I'm, I'm throwing a little bit of an additional ingredient in here, Brent, as it relates to learning, which is when, when groups are wanting to solve problems, we often default to the problem itself, which is a, mis which is a mistake in my opinion. And I say it's a mistake because if we hone into the problem, it's almost like all that we're getting to is neutral. Meaning like, well, we solved the problem and that's great, but that gets us back to like a baseline. But if we instead think, what would excellence be like in any particular condition? In this case, we're talking about tidying an office or tidying a space. Okay, great. Let's not figure out how to make it just tidy. Let's figure out how to make it amazing. Mm -hmm. And just that, just that shift in perception unlocks creative thinking in a way that honing into the problem itself limits. And so I'll, I'll pause there again and just see if that resonates, if that brings up questions. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's, a, that's a really good example because I know um, there's, a, there's a conversation like, are you ready to be a CEO? And one of the mm. things like, are you ready to create policies around what kind of food you can have in the refrigerator or what kind of, <laughs> or kitchen, you know, tidiness, you know, those are like, sure. you're ready to do all these things. And so, sure. uh, but I know that's like one thing practice owners as they're growing and they have office space, they don't even think mm. about. They're like, oh, well, this is a problem. I'm just going to tell people how to do it. But allowing mm. the creativity of the group to think uh, and to unlock some of those creative ideas, um, that's a really great example. Yeah, yeah. Can I Let me, let me give just a, a, an, a vote of encouragement for anybody listening, which is maybe, maybe uh, contradictory to a common belief. And, and commonly, when I say in, in leadership, a common belief is that leaders have to have the answers or that leaders have to decide and then disseminate, right? We got to decide and we got to tell everybody. Um, that mode of leadership, I would say, is outdated. And mm -hmm. under, like, it's, it's not only outdated, but it's not, as, uh, it's not as helpful. And the results you can get from it are not as dynamic. And so it goes back to what we were talking about with the experiential learning, that if, if we start with, you know, one option is leaders have to have all the answers, but the opposite of that is, well, what if, what if the answers can actually come from a co-created experience? So maybe leaders, leaders, instead of bringing answers, they're bringing in questions and they're bringing in direction and they're bringing in a facilitated exercise. But the outcome or the, the answers are really coming from the wisdom of the group. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to give a vote of encouragement for you know, any, any leader that's listening. Um, and it gets back to this, how do we learn, how do we learn and create connection? Well, the, the way that we do that exponentially is that um, we create opportunities to share knowledge rather than assuming we need to have it all of our, all ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great example. Well, before we get on, cause I did have a, a question um, mm. related to one-to-one -one conversations with practice owners, having one-to-one -one yeah. conversation with their clinicians or clinical directors and you guys have to solve a problem or there's like a around a learning experience and maybe it's around problem solving. But first, I want to share with my listeners, our listeners today, um, before we move on, I want people to know about something called Therasas. It's a new software that will supercharge your intake system. Now, many practice owners have an inefficient system for capturing, qualifying and scheduling new clients. They struggle to keep up with the demand of new appointment requests, and these new client leads often fall through the cracks. Even worse, in the moment of need, that client lead reaches out for help, and they never may hear back from that practice. 
This is why I designed Therasas. It was something that my own practice owners were struggling with as the demands of new client leads were coming in. Therasas is a powerful HIPAA compliant software to organize all new client appointment requests using web website forms, automation, and messaging so you can instantly connect and qualify new clients, easily manage wait lists, and track every step in your intake process with real-time analytics. It's said that the riches are in the niches and the fortune is in the follow-up. Therasas was specifically designed for the follow-up process. It has empowered solo practice owners to grow quickly and group practice owners to supercharge their intake team. So getting started is simple. The first step is just to go to therasas.com. That's T-H-E-R-A-S-A-A-S.com and sign up for a demo and a free trial. And step two, if you decide that Therasas will grow your practice, then we'll sign you up. Therasas takes one hour to implement and one hour to train your team. And step three, you can confidently know that new clients are being communicated with quickly and are not falling through the cracks. So being known as a practice that provides the best care starts at the very beginning when someone reaches out to you for help. You've worked too hard to build your practice to have new client leads go unanswered or fall through the cracks. Level up your intake process with Therasas to capture, qualify, and schedule new clients. To see if Therasas is a good fit for you, just go to therasas.com, T-H-E-R-A-S-A-A-S.com, and schedule a demo call today. All right. One thing uh, that I learned from you was to ask really these kind of three questions, because I was really curious about it. Uh, one was, because uh, I was thinking in the context of practice owners having to have conversations with people on their team and even people, you know, people on my own team. And it was, um, the three questions are, what, what did you learn? Uh, what would we, what would we do different? Mm. Uh, and there was a third one that I'm trying to remember, yeah. but it I was like, yeah, you know, you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. So yeah. I would love for you to kind of share that kind of triad of questions yeah. to, with our it's listeners. Yeah, that's great, Brent. Good. Yeah, good memory. I'm I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah. So what you're referring to um, is often is often called an after action review, after action review, and it's the idea that you know it can be implemented in all sorts of ways. You could say, you know, at every every two week meeting with the team, you have an after action review. Maybe every uh, you know quarter, if you're having performance evaluations one on one, and you could do it that way. So it works in all sorts of contexts. And the, the three questions are, first is, what did we do well? Okay. Second is, what did we learn? And third is, what will we do differently? And what, what's interesting, and, and maybe a little obvious about that, is that it, there are actually questions that um, can be repeated and create momentum over time. So uh, imagine that we were, like, imagine we're on a team, Brent, and at every team meeting, and they say we're meeting every two weeks, you and I know that we're going to have to go through that cycle as part of our process. What's cool about that as a, as a, you could call it a ritual is that that kind of trains us to be coming into those meetings with a success. What did we do? Well, oh, I got to be prepared to share like what's a win, uh, which is a great way to, it's a great just thing to be, to be repeating time and time again. And it also forces me to think about well, what, what did I learn in the last two weeks? So I'm kind of on the hook for that. And the momentum creator is, well, what are we going to do differently? So I have to be prepared to make some kind of commitment. Mm -hmm. And the other, the other nuance that's kind of interesting here is that you can frame that after action review in the context of we, 
or you can frame it in the context of I. So what did, what did I do well? What did I learn? What did I do differently? And depending on what challenge you want to tackle or what the context of the meeting is, it may be helpful to use we, it may be more helpful to use I. Sometimes it's helpful to actually do an after action review both with I and we in the same meeting because you want to understand what are people recognizing as a strength of learning and opportunity in the group and you want them to understand their contribution individually. Mm. So there's so there's value in, in, in both uh, directions. Now, I want listeners to be thinking this is great for uh, well, practice owners, but also clinical directors or anyone who's providing supervision. Mm. Uh, I also know like marriage and family therapists and others like you have to have live supervision hours or like really? live um, experience. Right. So two way yeah, years and right. things like that. I know my wife started a program where it, they call it a pod. And mm -hmm. there'd be three people and they take each will take an hour and work with a client with a two way mirror and then they'll come back and review things. So mm -hmm. as you are having to observe, those are some really great questions, um, I think, to kind of like pocket questions that you could just bring up. And then those people know uh, what you're going to be asking so they can be formulating their own answers uh, as well. Yeah. So I, yeah. Great, great application, man. That's a really, really cool example. And that's the neat thing about this as a tool or a method is that it is so flexible. Mm -hmm. You know, you can use it in all sorts of scenarios. And so, yeah, I, I love that scenario. Yeah. And it makes me think about uh, the, the supervision that I had. So I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but I, I was a, well, I actually still hold a license in North Carolina, but I did clinical work for years wow. and uh, went through that whole process of supervision with many, many hours. And um, it would have, yeah, it would have been neat to utilize that, the AAR then. And so, yeah, for any supervisors listening, uh, could be a resource. <laughs> right. Cause you know, the supervisors they're, you know, they aren't, they're not all trained the same way. And so right. um, even if they have very little training or they're thrown into a supervision type of experience, like scenario mm -hmm. that these would just be three questions they could easily bring use to bring a lot of value uh, to that supervisor, uh, supervisee experience, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great point. Yeah. So I just love those questions, you know, and even as I'm doing, you know, as I'm working with clinicians and even I'm thinking about when I do my own speaking, like I'm uh, the way I'm thinking about teaching now is really been radically changed by <laughs> experiencing you at that conference oh, and good. just kind of watching you do what you're doing. Cause I knew it was like, this is different from any other conference speaker uh, that I've been to, because it's usually just kind of sit in your seat and you just take information with very little time to reflect and to share. Um, so like, I think if I was to do speaking engagements or I do, but to do more at that scale, always incorporating moments of reflection, um, almost sort of like a little bit of a after action review type of thing. Uh, yeah. but even like real time then afterwards too, I don't know. I just thought that was really helpful and it only takes a few minutes. Like it's not like, yeah, it doesn't take a long time either. That's the, that's the cool thing, you know, and there's, there's so many great things about experiential learning, but mm -hmm. to your point, it can be, it's almost like an accordion model, right? Like you can shrink it down and make an experience very quick where you're asking an audience or a group to reflect, to share and to report out. And that can happen in 90 seconds. Yeah. Or, or you could really expand it out and have it be a whole activity that might take, you know, 30 or 45 minutes. And so it's, uh, and everything in between, right. It's, yeah, it's really flexible. 
So I'm curious, you know, the the goal of our conversation today is how group practice owners can expedite learning and connection at scale because they have to. They have to because they're only one person or they have to be able to equip their team to be able to do this as well. So I'm curious if there's anything else you'd like to add to this conversation that we had today. Yeah, I thank you for asking. I would say I would say two things. Um, to your point that you know leaders need to do it as as they grow, but but I would also add to that that as businesses grow, that's a great reason to you know leverage the the wisdom of the group. The other reason that I think that's really relevant is because things are changing so rapidly. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a model that uh, a thought leader from uh, Google X came up with. His name is Astro Teller. And the model is about uh, the intersection between our ability to adapt as human beings and the rate of change that we're experiencing as a, as a species, as a society. And what, what this person proposes is that our ability to adapt is kind of creeping up little by little and the rate of change is just skyrocketing. Mm-hmm. And, and really his proposal is that the rate of change is far surpassed our ability to adapt. And so I bring that up because I think it also makes the case even more so for the necessity of bringing in all voices and learning how to how to really like leverage the wisdom in any room, whether you're a group practice owner or or really anybody that is leading this this uh, this skill set, which is the second point I need I wanted to make is the skill set of facilitation is the skill set of the of the modern leader, you could say. Hmm. Right. So I think as time goes on, leaders will need to be more and more savvy with becoming facilitators of experience for the same reason. Like if we want to create engagement and learning at a rapid rate, it's going to necessitate all voices in the room. And in order to do that, well, we have to understand how to facilitate learning rather than be directive. Yeah. So, so Brent, I hope that's helpful. Oh, dude, it's so helpful because like it's one thing I've learned about leadership is when leaders lead well, everybody wins. It just mm-hmm. elevates everybody. And when leaders lead poorly, everybody suffers from it. And a lot yeah. of times, I, I'm sure there's research to this, but I think I heard somewhere that like one of the main reasons why people leave jobs is because of their, oh. their bosses. <laughs> like, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a quote like people, people don't leave jobs, they leave bosses. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. what I saw. It. And yeah, so the whole right. idea... Because, you know, if you're working with clinicians, these are master's levels people, right? So they've done a lot of education. They have a lot to offer your team. And so Mm -hmm. being able to facilitate uh, that expertise and their experience and being able to mine that together as a group, like Mm -hmm. you're, I mean, they, yeah, leading well, but it's also going to like cut down on attrition, right? So exactly. Like, why would they, why would they want to leave? There's lots of reasons why someone would leave, but it wouldn't be because you're a bad leader because you're not growing. You know, that's it. That's especially it. if you want to, if you want to be able to hire people who are hungry to learn and they're always perfecting their craft, mm-hmm. you want those people on your team. And when people are that uh, motivated to learn and perfect their craft, they want to be able to talk about it and share it yeah. and learn. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's wins. There's wins all around it for yeah. sure. Yeah. It's good, oh. good stuff. Well, thank you so much for your time. This was a, a really wonderful conversation. It's the one I was hoping to have. So thank you for yeah. taking time out of your day. Where can Pleasure. people learn more about you and buy your books and cards and sure. all that stuff? Yeah. So so we can you can find our info at our website, which is arcintegrated, arcintegrated.com. 
And I'll, I'll throw this gift out there as well, which is we have a leadership quiz that we developed. If listeners are curious to kind of get a report back about how am I doing as a leader, where are my strengths, where are my opportunities, they can go to arcintegrated.com slash quiz. And there's a free quiz there for you to take and you'll get the report back. And uh, we find that uh, people tell us it's helpful and insightful. And there's always an opportunity with that to connect for a call too. If you wanted to take that conversation further, um, we're always happy to do that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And uh, please go check out those links, buy those cards because uh, man, they, they were, it was really something, man. So I, I'm just so glad you took time to hang out. Cause I was like, I was like back there and I'm like, Oh man, I want to talk to Michael more. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so I, I'm glad we were able to have this conversation. So thank you so much. Yeah, this is a ton of fun, Brent. Happy to connect anytime. All right. Well, everyone, thank you for listening. All the content on the Brand Your Practice podcast and the website and other media reflects my own opinions and should not be taken as legal advice, financial advice, or investment advice. Please seek out the guidance of a professionally trained and licensed individuals before you make any decisions. And some of the links in the descriptions may be affiliate links. All right, folks, thanks for listening. If you found the conversation useful, subscribe to the podcast and please join me on the next time for the Brand Your Practice podcast.